Welcome to the 2020 Bible Conference once again, Wednesday night session. We're so excited to have you here. If you're joining us live on Facebook or YouTube or our other outlets, thank you so much for being with us. And uh, we are glad to have you for those. Uh, I don't know if we still have, we probably don't have anyone in overflow, but just in case we do, uh, we are glad uh, for all those that are uh, joining us in the overflow and for all those that are here gathered in the sanctuary uh, tonight. Man, what a great, what a great week it's been. I know everybody's kind of like, yeah, man, I'm wiped, man. <laughs> so uh, praise God, though. It's awesome. Uh, you know, I was thinking as I was walking up here and praying and uh, just, just thinking about, you know, the scripture it says, be not weary in well-doing. Um, and I think, you know, obviously there's some weariness going on, but the, the point of that is be not weary and well-doing for in due season, right, you, sh- you shall reap if you faint not. And we're looking forward to seeing what happens with the Word of God as it's planted in the, in the heart soil of those Malawians, those uh, Chichewa-speaking peoples, and it'll be uh, it's something that we really just can't, I don't think we can fully get our, our head and our heart around, but... Uh, uh, I love what Pastor Mark's been saying about if we can't get our footprints there. And I do pray that some of us will get our feet on the ground and we will be able to distribute the Word of God uh, in Malawi. But even if we cannot, we are getting there by putting our fingerprints, right? Uh, not smudges or dirt, but it is just our fingerprints upon the pages of these uh, Bibles, upon the Scripture, the New Testament that we've been able to assemble. And I'm going to hold on the numbers. I'm going to add more suspense because I want Randy to have the honor of giving us the, the detailed updates. But I am so excited about all that has been accomplished. Uh, you know, we have not been uh, making drama. Where there has been drama, it's been real drama, you know, throughout the week when there hasn't been a cutter working. Uh, those guys weren't playing. They were doing their best to get it going. I mean, it was it was really, there were some times when we were wondering, man, this is going to be difficult. And uh, we're so thankful how God has come through time after time after time. So we want to, we do want to do it, that song. We just want to make sure God gets the glory tonight. We want to thank God. There's still work to do. Randy will give you some updates on that in just a moment. So there's still more work to do. If you came and you're like, man, I, I don't think, man, I missed it all. You haven't missed it all. There's still things to do. So we'll put you to work. Uh, we have work to do right here on this platform tonight, as a matter of fact. So we'll get to that later. But I want to thank you for coming. And I want to welcome our guests. I think I, uh, throughout the week, we've had various pastors come in and out, and I think tonight I see Pastor Sam Miles in the back, and Sam, thank you, thank you for Midtown Baptist Temple, thank you for, you know, just loving us, and, and we're so glad to have you here tonight, bro, and we really do love you, and uh, appreciate you, so thanks, man, we love you, give him some love, and uh, amen, and I want to, I, we introduced uh, Alan Johnson, missionary t- uh, to the world, I like that on your card, missionary to the world, he's, uh, you know, Bearing precious seed wings, and and uh, it's been really great to get to know you, and I think you've gotten to know us. We had a great meeting with Alan a few days ago. If you have not had, uh, and he he helped us uh, look at some things in regard to some preservation issues and some other languages, and we're excited about just having another like-minded brother in that regard, and uh, and, and and we're just uh, encouraging one another in various projects and so on and so forth. But if you have not got a chance to to really visit with Alan, uh, man, make sure you do that. Out in the foyer, he has uh, information. If you haven't taken his literature and had a chance to look it over, uh, just uh, you don't want to you don't want to leave here this week uh, without getting a chance to know Alan. So we appreciate you coming in, brother, and and uh, and the things that uh, he served too. Man, he's a cut machine. He's a Bible assembling machine. So you've been a great hand as well. So we really appreciate your uh, investment in the Word of God here as well. And so it's been a great time. And uh, I just want to invite Randy to come up. And man, Randy has been uh, sacrificially serving. 
and uh, man, give God, give him some love, man. Praise God. <clears throat> Randy will give some acknowledgments, but I just want you to know he he needs some acknowledgments. I mean, he's doing a great job, Randy. So we love you and uh, appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Amen. Well, I have to tell you, if we want to acknowledge anybody, I want to acknowledge this church. I love this church because this church is constantly uh, putting forth the effort to do what needs to be done, what God has called us to do. And uh, when we took on this project of 25,000 New Testaments, um, all I could do is shake my head, that ain't going to happen. I'm just like, I, I, I mean, I love this church, and I love this ministry, and I love putting Bibles together, but I don't, we, we can't do that many. But God kept saying, yes, you can, yes, you can. And you know how you argue with God sometimes? You know, you shouldn't because you're never going to win. Uh, but uh, here, here it is tonight, uh, almost seven. All the, the things that are, that are difficult uh, are moving the paper, what we call material handling, from collating to rolling, to checking, to getting them into the binder room and all that. And if anything was going to take us a long time, it was going to be that. And well, we're done. Yeah, yeah, I'm into that. Um, we, are, we are done with all of that. And I thought, okay, well, maybe we'll have to push in. I'll, I'll beg people to stay all night or, you know, whatever. But we got it done in a, in a, in a normal con- uh, conference time frame. And now we still have work to do. Don't misunderstand me. That, the material handling requires a lot of work. And then it was just like this afternoon after lunch, uh, the, uh, the Holy Spirit just moved through and just moved papers. And, I, and before you know it, we were, we were done. And like, we were done and we're like, well, what do we do with people? Dinner's not until 530. And so praise the Lord to that anyway. So, um, so let me give you some numbers. Uh, now, we had a whole lot more boxes up here last night. If you were here last night and you say, well, where are all the boxes? It's okay. We got them right where they need to be. Most of them are on the container now. We loaded the container. There's 231 boxes in the container. There's 118 boxes in front of you. That's a total of, well, whatever that adds up to, you add it up. But what matters is the quantity in there. And so with all the boxes, with all the the, bind, uh, the, the, the New Testaments need to be cut that are sitting over here with what, what needs to go through the binder and then go through the cutter, well, all that totals out to 23,464. Yeah, and uh, you know I will say um, I do want to give glory, glory to God. And I already talked about this before. Brian mentioned that we had trouble with the trimmer, and we did. Uh, and uh, I don't know how it began. I don't know how it started running, and it just it it just ran, and it was down for twenty four plus hours. We couldn't figure out anything wrong with it, and we just asked people to pray, and finally God showed victory over an inanimate object. And that's an amazing thing because God is in control of everything that goes on in your life. And that's a perfect example. And we should never forget that. Everything that happens in your life, God is in control of in some way. And, uh, you know, it's just an amazing. When you see that, you say, it's all God. And we can seriously say, it's all God. And so I'm just thankful for that. I'm thankful for the Lord trusting us to handle his word. I never want to lose sight of the fact that God has trusted us. Said that to Pete, uh, Paul wrote that to Timothy. Says that we have been entrusted with the word, and we should take care of it. 
I do want to thank a couple of people real quick, just, uh, and I got a couple of things I want, I'll give you in, in to uh, think about here, you know, at the end of the service. But I do want to thank uh, the Branhams for the meals that they prepared. I, I just, you know, it, it's, a, it's an honor, it's a blessing really to be able to feed as many people as we fed under that tent for, you know, three meals a day for, you know, several days. I want to thank the Branhams. I want to thank Jim Boyette uh, for doing the things that he did. You know, Jim is one of those guys that, that he gets the job done and nobody even knows it many times. And uh, he takes care of this place and he keeps it, uh, keeps it running. I want to thank them. I want to thank uh, the Bible publishing team, Terry Ogle and uh, Pastor Terry Ogle, Pastor Bob Hall, uh, that have taken care of just organizing the things that need to be done and keeping things going. And it, if they got a green shirt on, you thank them too because, you know, they, they're the heart and soul of what we do. The church is the heart and soul of why we do it. Uh, I also want to thank uh, Pastor Brian for allowing this to happen in, the, in his church every year. And then lastly, I want to thank Pastor Mark Trotter for the messages that he has preached to us. What an encouragement that has been. Okay, I'm going to give you some real instruction. I'll just do it now because when we get to the end of the service, I won't remember. But uh, here's the thing. So we got this big top ten out there, and I think we're going to try to take it down and pack it away on tomorrow. So if you're able to come and help Jim uh, take it down, I think he has six or eight guys put, setting it up, so we'll probably need at least six or eight guys taking it down or ten. You know, so you can be here. I don't know what time. Six p.m. Six p.m. tomorrow night. Okay, there you go. And then one last thing. You know, this is your house, God's house, but it's your house. And if you could just help clean up a few things, you know, toilets, bathrooms, restock the paper, that kind of thing, just get us ready for Sunday. That would really be appreciated as well. Go through the rooms, vacuum the carpet. You know, whatever it needs to be done. You know what you know what you do in your house, we need to do it in this house too. I appreciate it a lot. Mark, come up and preach those. How's everybody tonight? Good. I've got my microphone on tonight, I can tell. And uh I'll I'll do this so that I can see you, not so you can see me. Okay? Um but man, I, I kudos to everybody. This this place is awesome, and uh, it, it's just been a blessing for me to be able to be with you, and uh, and those from the other churches as well. Man, the body of Christ is a a beautiful thing, um, and uh, you know there there is a, one group of people that we didn't mention, and that is uh, man, it's been. Ugh, I, I don't know, man, time kind of is, I, I can't figure time in 2020. You know, everything seems like that was a long time ago. Uh, but uh, I, I went on Facebook and I said, man, we, we've got the opportunity to get the Bible, uh, what we like to call the right one, into the hands of the Malawians. And, man, within a week... Uh, all of the money w was in uh, just through one little deal. And again, it's the body of Christ out there. And, you know, some of the sacrifice that some of those people made was just 
unbelievable. And uh, so, man, just praise God for an incredible, incredible week, and I'm so excited about it. My, the, the guys that I work with in Malawi, they too are unbelievably excited. And, uh, and, and I, I, I love the fact that in the midst of all of the work and, you know, the hyperness of trying to get that done, that the priority has been the preaching of the word this week as well. And they have granted me uh, the time to be able to, to preach the word, and I'm, I'm excited about that. Now, last night... Uh, yeah, that was that was a that was a hard one, wasn't it? Uh, very convicting for those of us, I think, that are a part of this American Christianity thing. And uh, for those of you that may not have been here, we talked from Second Kings about the consumption of uh, American Christianity, and we talked last night about what it would take for the purposes of God to get intertwined in our life and our purposes. And, and really, I was trying to focus on, on our purpose in the world. And, and tonight, I want to just draw that in a little closer and talk about our purpose right here, right here in Harrisonville and the surrounding area, or maybe for those of you that are in the metro Kansas City area. And I want us tonight to open our Bibles to Colossians chapter 4. And let's begin looking at the biblical pattern for reaching people. The biblical pattern for reaching people. And I know you're all comfy, but tonight I want us to begin by reading the Word. So why don't we just stand together. And we'll pick up in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2. Yeah, there we go. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. With all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. And Lord, tonight as we begin to look at this passage, I, I pray that phrase by phrase that you will work in our hearts. These are inspired words given by the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost now lives inside of us. And Lord, you said that you would do a significant work through the foolishness of preaching. And so, Lord, would you, would you meet with us tonight, as we've already sung? Would you move in our midst? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. You can be seated. Now, I, I want you to understand that the key to this passage is uh, in this thing where he's talking about reaching people. This flows out of a passage where Paul is admonishing the Colossians to pray, 
And this is a passage, as you could see as we were reading, where he was requesting prayer of the Colossians for himself. And and so what I want you to see is this this pattern for reaching people that we're going to be talking about tonight is really nothing more than the list of the ways that Paul was asking the Colossians to pray for him. And I want to say this from the beginning, and again, I'm I'm not trying to be, you know, some hardcore idiot, but I think we're kidding ourselves about reaching people with the gospel until reaching people with the gospel gets to the point to where it's something that we're actually praying about. Y'all, if we're not praying about reaching people... It's not going to happen. And when we look at the life of the Apostle Paul, listen, this was an unbelievably effective guy when it came to the gospel. And I think it's, we catch his heart in passages like this where we begin to understand this is what it looks like to reach people. Now, please, Let's don't put Paul in some crazy category. The dude was made of the same stuff that you and I are made of. And and this thing of reaching people, right from the beginning tonight, let's understand that this is not just something that the paid professionals do. This is something that has been entrusted to us, and we'll we'll talk in detail about that tonight. But the first thing that I want you to see in this biblical pattern for reaching people, number one, evangelism must be the pursuit of our prayers. It must be the pursuit of our prayers. Now, with with each of these principles that I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a key word that I think drives the point, a, a key word that actually gets to the heart of the issue and the key word with this principle is the word priority priority now paul's telling the colossians how they're to pray in verses two and three and then when he hits verse three and i'm paraphrasing but what what he says in verse three is and hey listen would you do this would you pray also for us And I'm sure the Colossians had to be thinking when Paul was asking for prayer. Well, the Colossians knew where Paul was when he was writing. Do you know where he was? Where he spent a lot of his time. He's in prison. So when, when Paul is requesting prayer, I'm sure immediately they knew, okay, Paul, we get it. You're getting ready to ask us that you'd be released from that prison so you can get out there and have the opportunity to reach people again. And man, I bet you want us to be praying for your attitude that the Lord will give you grace in those circumstances that you're in. And man, I bet you want us to pray for your health and safety. Paul says, I'd like to ask you to pray for one thing. Pray that we would reach people right where we are. Now, listen, can you imagine being in a dark, dank, nasty Roman prison 
and you get the opportunity to get a prayer request back to your church. Now, I, I'm just telling you, y'all, I, I know what I'd be doing. Hey, guys, would you please pray that I'd get out of this god-awful place? And the Apostle Paul so understood his purpose in being on this planet that he was praying that he would reach the people right where he was. And I want to make sure that we're understanding tonight that if we're ever really going to fulfill the mission of reaching people on this planet with the gospel, it's got to become the passion of our hearts and the pursuit of our prayers like it was with Paul. You know, the way that it shakes out in the 21st century is, you know, when, when, when we as Christians in the Laodicean period, when we go through difficult circumstances in our life and we've got all this adversity coming from us, you know how we pray? Oh, God, get me out of this. Oh, God, change my circumstances. Oh, God, deliver me from my circumstances. But you know what Paul understood that is just real hard for us to get in our, our head? That our mission field is not some far distant land somewhere. Our mission field is right where we are. And God orchestrates the circumstances of, an, of, our, of our life to put us in contact with the people that he wants us to reach, whether it be the factory or the office or our neighborhood or the hospital or a Roman prison. And I think God's trying to get us to see here that we've got to get to the place where we, we stop praying that he would change our circumstances and he would start praying that through our circumstances that he would use us to get the message of the gospel that those circumstances have put us in proximity with a certain group of people and that's the people that he wants us to be giving the gospel but the point I want you to see here as we get rolling into this thing is that if we're ever going to fulfill our mission of reaching people, evangelism is going to have to become the pursuit of our prayers. It must be a priority. And you know what, y'all? The, the fact of the matter is we all pray about what's important to us. You go through financial difficulty and you know what you do? You pray. Because that's important to you. Your spouse gets cancer, gets some kind of disease. I assure you, you'll be praying because it's important. And when reaching people gets important to us, we'll find ourselves praying about it. And 
May God challenge all of us in, in that respect. Okay, so number one, evangelism must be the pursuit of our prayers. It's got to be a priority. And then number two, God must open the door. God must open the door. And the key word here is sovereignty. You know, I, I feel like every time that I now, because uh, Calvinism is such a, a huge thing everywhere, I feel like I've got to explain when I use the word sovereignty, because every time I hear somebody use it, I'm like, where's he going with this? Well, let me free you up, okay? I couldn't be further from a Calvinist. And all God's people said, Amen. hallelujah. Okay, so, but I, I will tell you, that in this thing of reaching people, if God does not sovereignly open the door, we will not be effective. And that's why Paul is praying and asking the Colossians to pray with him about this very thing. Look at verse 3. With all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance. Okay, now what, what does that mean? Well, in the New Testament, a, a door is an opportunity. And Paul is acknowledging here that God is the one who opens the doors to evangelize. In other words, doors are God's responsibility. When it comes to doors, y'all, God has not left us to pry them open. He wants us to pray them open. Pray that God would open the door. In John chapter 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, no man can come to me except the Father draw him. For someone to be evangelized or to come to Christ God has to be at work in that person's life, drawing him. I don't know, you sound like a Calvinist to me. No, because Titus chapter 2 and verse 11 says that at some point in every person's life, God draws them to himself, and he gives everybody the opportunity to be able to receive Christ Okay, and, and this is why Paul is praying. Paul wanted to make sure that he was spending his time working in the same place that God was working. He, he wanted to make sure that he was walking through the doors that God had opened for him to evangelize rather than spending his time and his energy and his resources trying to push doors open. He wanted to be able to walk through the doors that God had opened in his life. You know, I, I think one of the reasons that many times those of us in the 21st century are ineffective in, in reaching people with the gospel is what we spend a lot of our time doing is trying to push doors open that God hasn't opened. And what John 6.44 is saying is that if God doesn't open that door, 
it ain't going to open. There's this key passage in John chapter 5 and verse 17. And it says this, but, but Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. In other words, my father has been working all down through history, and now he's working through me. He has me here working. But, but he, he says that even with that, he, he said, I, I don't just haul off and do what I want to do for him. Verse 19, Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the son can do nothing of himself. Let me tell you, if God in a human body could do nothing of himself, <laughs> we can't do anything of ourselves, okay? Can't do anything of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. It, you know what Jesus is saying? I, I wait to see where the Father's working, and I join him. Verse 20, for the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. Okay, because the father loved the son, he wanted to show him, here's where I'm working. Okay, God loves us. We're his sons and we're his daughters. And he wants us to fulfill his purpose for our lives. And he wants to show us where he's working. And our responsibility is to work where God's working, not ask God, hey, God, would you join me where I'm working? But we're going to join him where he's at work. Another great example, or at least in my mind, it's a great example of this thing of God must open the doors, is found in Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, what happens here is Paul's on his, his second missionary journey. He's been traveling with Silas, and in verses 1 through 5 of Acts 16, they add Timothy to the missionary team. And watch what happens in verse 6. Now, now when they had gone throughout Phrygia in the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost, hello, to preach the word in Asia, after they were coming to Messiah, they essayed or they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. Do you, do you see? They're, they're moving, but they're moving in directions that God says, mm, no, I don't want you to go there. And they, passing by Messiah, came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Okay, so let me just make sure that we're all understanding what's happening here. Okay, at this point in the book of Acts, they had been in Galatia. And the reason that they were in Galatia is because God had opened the door. But that door closed. I'm, I'm telling you, I've been working with these uh, Malawi brothers that I'm joined in the soul with, and every time I'm with them, three times a year, I, I'm saying, fellas, you don't know how long this door is going to be open. And so, and, and whew, I've already missed two trips this year. 
and, and so I don't, I don't even know where all of this, this thing is, is going. But they had been in Galatia because the door was open, but now the door had closed. They attempted to go into Asia, but the door wasn't open. And so they tried to go to Bithynia, and the door wasn't open. And it's real interesting when, if you were to look at this on, on the map because they were in the east and they tried to go to the north and they, 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 they weren't permitted to go. And then they, they tried to go to the south and the door was closed and there was only one direction left to go. Go west, young men. And so they, they, they go west... And he goes as far west as he can go, looking for an open door. He gets to the beach city of Troas, and then God gives this Macedonian vision. And basically what God was doing was getting ready to take the gospel into a whole different continent. Because when it went into Macedonia, the gospel for the first time moved into Europe. And what was happening is God was showing him the open door. And check out verse 10. And after he had seen the vision, or the open door, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. And again, what I'm trying to get you to see is Jesus said, I join God where he's at work. I see where he's working, and that's where I work. And Paul gives us the same exact example that there are some places, believe it or not, the door is not open. And the Spirit hasn't opened it. And it's not, we just can't find the open door. Keep moving. And he'll show you because he loves you. He'll show you where it is that that he's at at work. And he'll show you people that he's drawing to himself. Okay, so what is it going to take for us to actually get to the place to where we're effective in reaching people? What, What is the biblical prescription? What's the biblical pattern? Evangelism must be the pursuit of our prayers. God must open the door. And then number three, we must live the life. We must live the life. And the key word here is believability. Verse five says, walk in wisdom toward them that are without. And that is without Christ outside of a relationship with God. Okay, so now what what does it mean to walk in wisdom toward them that are without? Okay, well, the, the, the word walk in the Bible is used to describe the life that we as believers actually live. And if you want to know what it means to walk in wisdom, we don't have to look any further than the context. Because ever since... Paul hit 
Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1, what Paul has been talking about is he's been talking about what our walk is supposed to look like now that we've been saved, or the way that he says it in Colossians 3.1, now that we have been risen with Christ. And, and he's saying, okay, so here's what walking in wisdom looks like in terms of your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in verses 1 and 2. And are these verses there, or do they need to be looking at these in the Bible? Okay, we'll look at them in the Bible. Okay, would you look at verses 1 and 2? What it looks like to walk in wisdom in terms of our relationship with the Lord is we live our lives, y'all, now that we've been risen with Christ, seeking the things above and setting our affection on things above, not on things of the earth. In verse 5, what it looks like is mortifying or putting to death the passions of our body. In verse 8, it's putting off the old man, all the ways that we used to walk when self sat on the throne. Says, get that out of your life. In verse 10, put on the new man. And what he begins to describe is this new man is actually Christ. And what he's going to describe for us in verses 12 through 14 is everything that Christ had on him when he made us a new man. Bowels of mercies and kindness and humbleness of mind and meekness and long-suffering and forbearance and forgiveness and above all of these things, charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And and what does it look like in verse 15? The peace of God is ruling in our hearts, even during COVID. Verse 16, the word of Christ is dwelling in us richly so that, verse 17, it affects every word that comes out of our mouth and it affects every deed that we do in our body. That's what it looks like to walk in wisdom in our relationship with the Lord. And then go on in verses 18 through 21. What he does is he shows us what walking in wisdom looks like in the relationships with our family. Verse 18, wives are submitting. Verse 19, husbands are loving. Verse 20, children are obeying. Verse 21, fathers aren't provoking their children. And then he comes to verses 22 down to chapter 4 and verse 1. And he shows us what walking in wisdom looks like in our relationships at work. And servants or employees are serving their bosses like they serve Christ. And masters or employers are treating employees like Christ has treated them. This is, this is all just right in, right in the context. And so he's saying we need to walk in, in wisdom in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, in our homes, in our jobs. And listen, we're sitting in one whale of a good place to be used of the Lord to reach people with the gospel when 
It's evident to them when they look at our walk that we're something different than they are. It becomes evident to them that we function according to a different wisdom than they use. 1 Corinthians 2.5, we, we don't walk in the wisdom of men, but 1 Corinthians 2.7, we walk according to the wisdom of God. And, and listen, folks, if, if, if we're going to reach people, it's not going to be because they know that we go to church. It's not going to be because we wear religious jewelry or clothing. And I've got clothing, okay? It, it's not going to be because we learned a lot of facts about God and the Bible. It's not going to be because we've learned to speak Christianese. We're not going to reach them by how we talk. We're going to reach them because of how we walk and they'll know by how we walk that what we say is believable. So how are we going to fulfill our mission? Evangelism must be the pursuit of our prayers. God must open the door. We must live the life, number four. We must open our mouth. Yeah, we got to do the walking. But there is a place, after we're doing the walking, we've got to open our mouth. And the key word here is the word tenacity. Uh, again, we, we got to live the life. And man, y'all, there is no replacement for that. There's no overcoming that when we don't. And, and you know what? It's, it's kind of weird to me in the 21st century because it seems like all the people who don't live the life run their mouth. And, and, you know, it's just, it turns people off. And, and then all of the people who are doing all that they can to walk in wisdom and live the life don't have the tenacity to open their mouth. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And, and oh, you know, back in the 80s and, you know, it was the watchword of the day was lifestyle evangelism. Just live the life. Okay, and I just covered that point. I'm all about it. <laughs> We walk in wisdom, but somewhere along the way, y'all, we got to open our mouth. In, no, notice in verse 3 that it is a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ. The end of verse 4, he says, as I ought to speak. Verse 6, let your speech, the end of verse 6, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Listen, five times in four verses, he makes reference to opening our mouth to speak, to proclaim the gospel. The book of Colossians is a twin epistle with the book of Ephesians or the letter to the Ephesians. And in, in the parallel passage in Ephesians, Ephesians 6 and verse 9, Paul says, Pray for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly. In other words, with tenacity. 
Again, I, it's the Holy Spirit's job to reprove us and to rebuke us. But I do think, y'all, that it would be good for all of us to just, just stop and ask ourselves, when was the last time that I opened my mouth and actually gave the gospel to somebody? I, I, I think, you know... I think for most of us, we, we would probably say that God has opened more doors than we've walked through when it comes to this thing of, of, of the gospel. And I think we need to ask ourselves tonight. I, th I think if we're going to get anything out of this message, we, we do need to just step back and say, well, why, why didn't I walk through those doors? Why didn't I open my mouth? I, I don't know. Maybe it's because we don't feel like Paul says that he, he felt at the end of Colossians chapter 4 and verse 4 that, that this is actually something that we ought to do. I mean, it could be, and I'm not being an idiot. I'm not being facetious right now. I am an idiot, but I'm just not trying to be one right now. But it could be that we, we may be in a good church like this and be a part of an incredible project like this and have never really taken responsibility for the gospel. You know, Paul, according to Romans chapter 1 and verse 14, the way that Paul said it is that the gospel has made us debtors. Do you want to know why Paul was so effective in reaching people? He saw himself as a debtor. And as a debtor, he believed that he owed every person Okay, that's what a debtor is. They owe. <laughs> and he felt like he owed every man two things. Number one, an invitation. He felt like he owed every man an explanation about how to receive Christ. Do you see yourself as a debtor? Did you owe people the opportunity to understand what it is to receive Christ. And the second thing that he felt like he owed them was a warning if they didn't receive Christ. And that debt that he felt that he owed wasn't just preacher talk with Paul. It ran pretty doggone deep. He said in 1 Corinthians 9, 16, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Paul recognized that the same gospel, listen, that had transformed him that that same gospel had been entrusted to him. And now he was a steward of the gospel. And that just wasn't something that God intended for the Apostle Paul, y'all. If the gospel has, been, has transformed us, 
what came part and parcel with that transformation was the responsibility to get that message to other people. It became a stewardship. In Acts chapter 4, in, in verse 29, a prayer meeting is going on in the early church. This isn't the first one that they had, but this is the first one where they, we know what they actually were praying about. And you know what they were praying about? That they would have the boldness to open their mouth and speak the word. And they were praying about it. Again, I'm not trying to beat anybody up. I'm just saying, man, if we started praying like that, we started looking for where God was working and where God had opened the door and we had the tenacity to open our mouth, guarantee you we would be reaching people with the gospel. So what is it going to take? Evangelism must become the pursuit of our prayers. God must open the door. We must live the life. We must open our mouth. And then number five, we must know the message. We must know the message. And the key word here is clarity. Listen, when we open our mouth to speak, we've got to make sure that we're communicating the right message and we've got to make sure that we're communicating the right message the right way. Watch how Paul shows us this in verse three. He says, Pray that God would open a door of utterance to speak, what? The mystery of Christ. Now, now listen, when we open our mouth, whatever this mystery of Christ thing is, that's the message that we've got to communicate. And, and he says in verse 4, that I may make it manifest. That there would be clarity about this message. He says that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. And he's emphasizing here that we've got to be able to communicate it clearly. The mystery of Christ, again, whatever that is, must be made manifest. Okay, so I've said it several times. Obviously, if we're going to communicate the mystery of Christ, we're going to have to know what it is. Now, the terminology sounds a little scary, you know. But it's not. This, the mystery of Christ is unbelievably simple. Now, you will have to listen for the next two minutes, okay? But it is unbelievably simple. Okay, let me make it as... So simple that even I can understand it, okay? In, in the New Testament, a mystery isn't something hidden. It isn't something that can't be known. A, a mystery refers to something that at one time was hidden, but now is openly and clearly revealed. In, in other words, it was hidden in the Old Testament, but it has been now revealed in the New Testament. And so Paul is talking here about the mystery of Christ. Again, something hidden in the Old Testament that has now been revealed in the New. 
Okay, so now this is, this is found in the book of Colossians. And by the time the Colossians would have gotten to this part in the letter, they would have known exactly what he meant because this is now the third time in this letter that he's made a reference to the mystery of Christ. And so, again, we've got to pull it in just a little bit right here so that we understand this. Back in chapter 2, in verses 2 and 3, Paul says that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Okay, now real simple here. What he's talking about is he's talking about the incarnation. In other words, the God of the universe taking on human form in the person of Jesus Christ and drop down in Colossians chapter 2 to verse 9. He says that in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ. And back in chapter 1, he talks about the mystery of Christ. And let's pick up in verse 25. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay, now check out how glorious this, this mystery is. Hang with me. We're, we're almost through with this part. This mystery is all about God taking up residence and living inside of us. Listen, something that Old Testament saints could have never conceived of. It had to be revealed in the New Testament because in that Old Testament, in the tabernacle and, and then later in the temple, God's presence was in the holy of holies and the only one that could go in there was the high priest and he could only go in one time a year. In the New Testament, we are his temple and God's presence is in us. Again, in the twin epistle in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 19, when Paul, when Paul talks about the message that we actually speak, he says, pray for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly, listen, to make known the mystery of the gospel. Anybody here know what the gospel is? <laughs> well, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? Okay, so 
When God opens the door of opportunity for us to speak, what is it that we're actually to speak? What is this mystery that we are to make manifest as we ought to speak? Okay, l- l- listen to it now, okay? The God of the universe became a man in the person of Jesus Christ. And he lived on this earth. And he died on the cross for our sins and was buried and rose again. And if you'll trust what he did by believing on him and calling on his name, he'll come inside of you and he'll live in you. I practiced that this afternoon. And I got out my little clock, my little stopwatch on my phone, and I set it. I set it in 18 seconds. The mystery of Christ, the mystery of the gospel. You think that we could maybe take a 18 second message and get bold about that? I'm going to give it to you again. The God of the universe became a man in the person of Jesus Christ and he lived on this earth and he died on the cross for our sins and he was buried and he rose again. And if you'll trust what he did, believing on him and calling on his name, he'll come and he'll live inside of you. Wow, y'all. That ain't hard, is it? And that's our message not, hey, you guys ought to be going to church. Hey, you better get religious, man. Hey, you better get to the place where Jesus takes you to his home when you die. What the real message is, is, hey, Jesus wants to be be your home or be his home in you in this life. That, that's a cool message, y'all. And Paul says in our passage here in Colossians 4, 4, listen, that I may make it manifest, that I can make that message just as clear as a bell. And again, the word manifest means to Make known what has been hidden or unknown. And and listen, y'all, we have been entrusted with that mystery. And it's no longer hidden. It's now been revealed. But I do want you to know something. There is an enemy that does not want that message to be made manifest. He wants to do everything within his power to make sure that it stays hidden. 2 Corinthians 4, in verse 3, Paul says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And listen, verse 4 says that that's exactly how Satan wants to keep it. In whom the God of this world, Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And... uh, 
You know what verse 4 is actually describing, y'all? It's describing the mystery of Christ that we've just been talking about. Would you look at verse 4 again? He says, Christ, who is the image of God, the God of the universe, became a man in the person of Jesus Christ. And he talks in verse 4 about the glorious gospel of Christ. And he died, and he was buried, and he rose again, and he says, should shine unto them. He wants to come, and he wants to live inside of you. And that's the message we're to make clear. Satan is trying to do everything he can to keep that message hidden. But it's been revealed. And according to Colossians chapter 4 and verse 4, God lets us know that it is our responsibility to make that message manifest. And verse 6 of Colossians 4 lets us know that we've got to get to the place, y'all, to where we're so acquainted with the message that that we can take it and we can weave it into normal and natural conversation. Are you hearing that? Sometimes, you know, we, we learn this little method of doing evangelism on people. And that's all we can do is just do evangelism on people. No matter what we're talking about, we kick into our little pitch <laughs> that's not what you get when you look at verse 6 he says let your speech be always with grace seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer every man and what he's trying to show us here is we, we're not just looking to give people pat answers but we're answering every man according to what he where he is, we're answering him individually and we're knowing how to salt that conversation to turn that thing or to determine whether or not it's an open door. You know, uh, you know, like in my neighborhood, man, every time that I'm out and I have a conversation, I'm, I'm not, you know, they know what I do. And, and so I, I don't want to, you know, Take a bag of salt. But I do want to, in the midst of that conversation, just put a little bit of salt in there to just see, is this the time for me to be able to talk with them? You know, uh, they ain't much better on this planet than a big old bowl of popcorn with lots of butter. Just the right amount of salt. Okay, you know, think about that. Man, that's just good. You know what it does? Man, you get that Coke right there next to you. It, it just creates that little thirst, and, and we're happy. But uh, imagine a big old bowl of salt that we're seasoning with popcorn. And, and that's the way evangelism is for a lot of Christians, man. We are uh, 
boatload of salt seasoned with popcorn rather than a big old bowl of popcorn. That grace, man. That grease. <laughs> seasoned with salt. We know how to answer every man. And if you just know the message that you can say in 18 seconds, you, you know how to weave that into conversations and, and just see whether or not God is opening that door. Okay, and then, so evangelism has got to be pursuit of our prayers. God's got to open the door. We got to live the life. We got to open our mouth. We got to know the message. And then number six, we've got to expect to be persecuted. And, and the key word here is vulnerability. You know, we were just talking about Satan's desire to keep the message hidden. Do you understand that if you aren't going to be used to make the message manifest, you probably could be able to skate through life <laughs> Because you're no threat to him. And, and you'll, you'll just cruise along and all of that. Because, if, you listen, if, if people aren't able to see Jesus in you, then he really doesn't have to mess with us. We're keeping the message hidden. But listen, when you really understand your purpose for being on this planet, when we understand our mission and we're so serious about it that we're actually praying that God will use us to reach people and we're looking for God to open those doors and we're living the life and we're opening our mouth and we know the message that we've been called to deliver, man. Listen, the sorry devil is going to do everything that he can to shut you down so he can shut you up. And look at the last part of verse 3. Paul says, for which I am also in bonds. You know why he was in prison? Because he opened his mouth boldly to make this message manifest. He's saying, I'm in prison right now, chained to this guard, because I've been opening my mouth, making manifest the mystery of Christ. Have you ever seen how Paul ended his, his letter to the Corinthians? The, the, in that first letter, he, he's been talking about the possibility to come see him and he, he's in the midst of explaining his situation and why he felt like he needed to stay in Ephesus. And he says in 1 Corinthians sixteen nine, for a great door and effectual is open to me. That was in Ephesus. So that's why I'm here right now. But a great door and effectual is opened unto me. And, and what's the next word? And, notice, not but. And, there are many adversaries. And, and you got to understand something, y'all. Open doors, adversaries go together. Got to get to the place, y'all where we expect to be persecuted. And I think we right now in our country are maybe hearing that differently than if I said that a year ago. But Paul says, for which I am also in bonds. 
There, there's persecution that comes with it. But man, I love his attitude toward persecution. Man, it is so different from ours. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. They can bind me and throw me in prison, but they aren't going to bind the message that's going to come out my mouth. And again, the key word here is vulnerability. If we're going to fulfill our purpose, y'all, we've got to be willing to lay our life down and pay the price of suffering, of trouble. And then Paul shows us one, one final principle. This pattern for reaching people goes like this. This will be the last time I do it. Evangelism has got to be the pursuit of our prayers, and God is going to have to work. He's going to have to open the doors. We're going to have to live the life, and we're going to have to open our mouth, and we've got to get to the place to where we know the message We expect to be persecuted. And then number seven, we must make the most of every opportunity. And the key word here is is urgency. At the end of verse five of Colossians four, he says, redeeming time. And and that word redeem, it's a financial term. He's talking about buying up every opportunity to to seize the moment, to take full advantage of every opportunity that the Lord gives. You know, we we talked earlier about God's got to open the doors. But like I tell my Malawi brothers, we've got to live, y'all, with the constant reality that doors don't stay open. You know, after, remember when we looked in Acts chapter 16 tonight and, and, and Paul wanted to go into Asia Minor, he wanted to go to Bithynia. And, and after God closing the door in Galatia and not allowing them to go to those places, I, I bet you Paul gathered together his missionary team and he looked them in the eyes and he says, listen, we're going to have to go hard today. We got to make sure that we're doing everything that we can do. We need to make sure that the Lord is living his life through us and that he is working through us today. We need to make sure that we're alert for every opportunity that he may open for us. We got to take advantage of every opportunity because we don't know how much longer the door is going to be open. And and folks, we've got to get to the place where we see the urgency of this thing every single, single day of our lives at, at work and at school. We've got to, I, I, I think we've got to start looking at mission trips differently, y'all. We don't know how much longer we're going to be able to do that. We, we've done that for years. I'm not so sure. Boy, if you're physically able, I 
I would encourage you that if that door opens for us to be able to do that, man, I'd love to, you go where your pastors lead you to go. But I know your pastors are planning to be a part of this distribution in Malawi. And man, I would love for you to see what God is doing in that field. And I would love for you to see what happens when that get book gets put in their hands. But I'm saying to you, my brothers and sisters, we've got to understand the urgency. We've got to redeem the time. <laughs> Thanks, man. Amen. Let's redeem the time. You know, before we pray, I, I just I'm reminded of of uh, the opportunities that have been presented in my life in the past, and and how seizing those opportunities uh, really uh, keep us in the white lines of of um, of God's will. And you know, there's the good and acceptable, the perfect, complete will of God, and and you are not, and we are not going wrong when we're getting the gospel where it needs to go on time. And what a great opportunity God has set before us to go to the uttermost, uh, not just in the, the publishing, but if, if you would be led to take a trip uh, to Malawi or Mammoth or whatever church you're from, wherever trips your church is taking, man, those are things we, we need to be willing to do. You know, I can remember taking a trip one time to, to Illinois, to Mammoth. I was just a teenager at the time. And I spent all this time and all this effort and all this energy to go on this youth event and this lock-in and to preach the gospel. We did all of those things. We preached the gospel like we're supposed to, just like Mark talked about. And I was so, you know, thankful that I had the privilege. But then on the way home, I remember seeing the lights of Kansas City, and I thought, man, if every light in Kansas City as I was coming down I-35 represents a soul that's lost or needs to be saved, what kind of work needs to be done right here? And it was the beginning of us, an evangelistic season in my life that lasted about, oh, I don't know, I'm still in it. <laughs> so, uh, but man, I praise God that, that uh, you know, that, that there's moments like this where God challenges us. A man of God comes and he speaks and it's self-evident what God is doing. And, uh, you know, we, we're challenged um, and we're asked and, we're, and, and the question really is, is evangelism the, the pursuit of our our prayers is it a priority what are we praying for are there open doors you know do we know god are we are we able to even recognize the open door are we are we are we living a life that that's authentic that people can believe that they know christ is in us of a truth are, are we willing to open our mouth? Are we tenacious? Are we willing to, and I love, man, I love the salt, man, just a little salt. And so we got to know the message, and we got to expect to be persecuted. Well, that's where a lot of us shut down. I mean, even when we go out, this church is going to have an opportunity here in just a few weeks to go out and go door to door. And we're not even talking about 
you know, you know, like shoving the door open, putting someone up against the wall, put, pointing them at, you know, you must be born again. No, it's not like that at all. We're just inviting them to our house to enjoy a fall harvest party, looking for that door to open and an opportunity to present the gospel. You know, that's something you can be praying about right now. You can be praying about joining. How many people you need on Mama team? He needs 15 people right now. Well, the number went up. 15. Oh, you need 15, so you got six. So you need nine. We need nine. Fruit bearing. That'd be awesome. That's a real battle. You can go fight it today. And maybe, you know, the real thing, though, like what we're doing right now, this is a moment in the, in the, the history of our churches where we have an opportunity to, to, to be a part of something that is, is just bigger than ourselves. It is an open door and is an opportunity. And, brother, thank you for coming and presenting it to us. And uh, here in a moment, we're going to pray over these Bibles, but I just want to take a moment and, and just encourage you to seize the moment. Let's stand together in an attitude of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity tonight 